This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to the fourth week of not uh critically commenting on the show riverdale uh because there's a strike uh which has been going on for longer than four weeks um if i'm tired i can't imagine the daily pick tired no indeed <laughs> yeah i mean working's tiring enough picketing is a whole other s- source of exhaustion we are, however, still coming to you from, uh, in my case, to minus and Sunaymuk territory, and Ryan is coming in from unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and Sloatooth nope. uh, nations territory, uh, nope. where a lot of Riverdale is shot. But we're not talking about Riverdale. I'm I'm on uh, Treaty Eight territory currently. I travel. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Ryan is not even where I said he is. Uh, everyone's tired. Everyone's warm. The world's really quite warm at the moment, Riverdale. It's pretty on okay. fire. Yeah. Uh, Yellowknife. Yeah. In fact, Maui. that might be. Yeah, that might be a thing worth talking about very briefly. Um, if you have uh the opportunity to donate to any of the um funds that have been put in place for people displaced in Maui as well as people displaced in the Northwest Territories and probably very soon Kelowna. Um, Please be generous. This is how we're going to take care of each other in the face of climate change. I think. Should be done by the state. Could be done by the state. Isn't being done by the state. And fill in your state and that seems to be true. Um, So yeah, mutual aid. Also, yeah. strike mutual aid. Uh, yep. I imagine if, it's hitting crunchy time. Yeah, I imagine that too. I haven't really, no super significant updates have crossed any of my news feeds. So I think that probably the employer and the employees just can't sit down at the table and agree yet. Yeah. A bland slump of nothing. But that's reasonable A because. Bland slump. Really. Dragons can sit on hordes. It's it's a thing. It's normal. Patience. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is a really interesting feature, actually, of labor action, is sometimes you just have to wait it out. So, uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of power in waiting and sticking to waiting, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, um, especially if you can like weeks settle ago, into. You wanted to. Wait. Oh shoot, we're we're lagging just no, a touch. No, especially if you can settle into. Um, pardon. This is the nature of being in two rural areas, a province apart. While there's probably a lot of things <laughs> on fire between us. That is true. Um, I think, though, the last time we recorded, you said that you wanted to tell a story about a time that you had been laid off. Was that, am I remembering correctly? Oh, vaguely. Um, 
Yes, that's my main point of strike union action reference. So, um, um, I don't know if it's actually actually relevant to the the thing at hand, um, other than being an experience that really solidified um, my appreciation for union representation uh, at a time when my job changed dramatically um, because funders said it would, uh, and this is a professional healthcare job. But job changed suddenly because funders said it would. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, and that is a, a, a time where um, our management played hardball and laid everyone off. Um, and the union was heavily involved in negotiating our new contract that we would be returning to. Um but it was a horrible uh, throw every throw the baby out with the bathwater, start fresh um, negotiating move from uh, management that I still am embittered by to this day. Yeah, I mean that is very embittering. Uh, I I think it's a very kind of there. There's something of the. Um, there's something of the disciplinarian in there. Like, we can't get our way, so we're going to stop all of your livelihoods. Good day. <laughs> yes. 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 And, like, I I can appreciate the budgetary constraints that made that the only actual option. Like, I know, at least in my situation, the management I was dealing with were, were relaying decisions made before they had a chance to input and i'm talking like our organization which is primarily funded by uh public fund was pu primarily funded by public funding bodies why why we needed to build ourselves not-for-profit society middlemen question again things the state could maybe do reasonably well some structured oversights. <laughs> I don't know. I come from Alberta and I'm in Alberta where there's a deep, deep distrust of unions and the state and public services in general, which is awfully frustrating because um, this is also a region with a deep history of labor act uh, organizing um, that brought together um, things like the, the wheat pools that made rural agriculture uh survivable up until mm. fairly recently when uh at least the alberta wheat board was uh broken up into pieces and sold to foreign uh investment interests um now we have a deregulated price war that requires agricultural contracting almost exclusively uh before the seeds have been planted a uh, which is really only viable at a certain scale Anyway, yeah, um, mm. our, our, if our food falls apart, it's <laughs> probably because labor activism uh, has been stomped on. It's about like a maybe 20 to 30 year payoff. Like, yeah. It really is frightening. And it really, I think every time there is some variety of job action, I remember... What exactly is it that I'm trying to say? I remember how 
interconnected everything is. I think that we mm. just, we compartmentalize in life, I think. And the interconnectedness mm. of just this situation that you mentioned here, um, foreign investment in a local economy, a local food economy, mm-hmm. changes the way that's organized. There's a disconnection. And then mm-hmm. with the way that that has unfolded, there is food insecurity. And that affects anyone who bought that food. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. the the quality the quality of people power is that interconnection, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I, there's... I might be talking out of my butt a little, but... Oh, no, I, I I think I agree with you, and I think the the like the communal and interconnective aspect of these of these of the economy we currently have is um is one of the reasons that the, the like individualistic buying vote by uh, voting with your money approach to economics uh, choice is kind of a happy fantasy uh, that as a consumer your individual choices will be able to determine uh things substantially like in in a very small scale that is actually possible like i'm pretty sure i'm one of like three people who buy goat milk at the green grocer the tiny green grocer down the street from me like i've seen them sit (laughs) for a while um and in that case i occasionally will buy the more convenient goat milk for more money because i really would like to keep having access to goat milk conveniently fun fact many lactose intolerant people can uh, enjoy goat milk fully yeah i was just gonna say for reference this is a useful fact for any of our lactose free brethren who may be listening your lactose free brethren who may be listening (laughs) you may be able to have cheese again milk on cereal yes That one has never done it for me. I really, really wish I understood the appeal of cereal. And it has happened to Mm -hmm. me once or twice. I've had a really good bowl of cereal. But milk is just such an odd fluid, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pretend for a moment that you've been told the the whitish, watery soy milk that can be gotten acquired at the health food store several hours away in, in the, the small rural northern city in the, the early 90s. Pretend for a moment that's what you've been told is your milk replacement for life. Sure. And, absolutely. And, I can imagine it. As someone who was allergic <laughs> to dairy as a child and was also allergic to soy and obliged to drink rice milk, I do, oof, ha- I do understand. Oof, uh... <laughs> yeah, it was pretty gross. I've never had so, goat's milk. I should try it sometime. You should. Um, it's at our local store. And anyway, I've spiraled wildly from the point that, like, consume. I, th- I think consumer purchasing power as a as a like communication or mode of control is is something of an illusion we're sold because, especially, mm-hmm. you know, how often does a food recipe change? How much often does a product recipe change or a a very popular product? Uh, vanish or become cheapened. Um, Pyrex glass was a standard. Um, We have Pyrex that is older than my parents that I use every day when I'm visiting them Mm. here Um, at like, like coffee cups and, and uh, plateware. Um, But 
I think it, the we have the same Pyrex and plateware at my parents' place, actually. Mm. Uh, the Corel days. Just last forever. Um, <laughs> yes. But the company was purchased at a certain point. The recipe was changed. Sheep and minor changes that had substantial impact on quality. Um, Instapot apparently just went out of business after being the it item. The the let's make um, let's make pressure cookers cool again item. Wow, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think a, a major factor in both of those cases is that those are uh, long-lasting products. Those are not high-replacement products. Uh, their selling point is how high they last. Um, well, at the same time, our, our um, tolerable price point for kitchenware has been driven down by the, the realities of dollar stores. Right. Gosh, this is so amazing, Riverdale gang. Maybe they should uh, strike more often. We're just having this very particular kind of esoteric, <laughs> slightly um, <clears throat> trivia-related conversation about um, the <laughs> state of the wheat board in Alberta and then goat's milk and then uh, Instapot. My goodness. Yep, this is what you get until the strike's over, gang. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, although on that note, uh, should we just call it, Ryan? Have we said what we needed to say on this strike special? Yeah. Oh, um, last strike factoid. Um, Stephen Amell, star of the show Arrow, Please. which from whence uh, Thunderquack uh, grew largely as a fan podcast, our network. Um mm -hmm said some stupid things about not liking pickets and strike lines uh, about a week or two ago and was apparently okay. spoken to by executives and castmates because this just, it, I just noticed a, a, a carefully draft dropped news story showing him on a picket line uh, this week and saying very, very apologetic things. Um, yeah, so peer pressure is legit, le legit a thing in organizing. Sometimes you gotta, sh you gotta call out bullshit. Yeah, I believe you. That sounds true. Okay, bye for now, gang. Bye, gang. Take care. <laughs>